Hey guys, this is Rob and welcome to question number 55. Would you take a risk for a lifetime of free beer? It's my conversation with the guys of Northbound Smokehouse and Brew Pub in South Minneapolis. Jamie Robinson, Joel Scott, Jason Foster. And here's the cool thing. Our conversation stems from my curiosity about the legislation in Minnesota behind the difference between brew pubs and tap rooms. But it ends up going far deeper than just talking about beer and breweries. We ended up talking about risk. This is a good one. I'm fascinated with this thought of risk. And I even you alluded to it of people just assume that if you're a business owner, you must be just a billionaire. And if somewhere t- on this topic of curiosity and looking past the obvious, I think if someone comes into a restaurant and you as head brewer and you as an owner, you're heading up the kitchen, it's easy to look at this and be like, well, yeah, starting this made sense. Look at this, this is a successful business, it makes sense. But I'm fascinated with the thought of origins of places. So if I have a, I really do firmly believe that life expands and contracts with your willingness to assume risk. And I think about you starting this off and I think about the fact that there are how many people out there that get free beer for life with this? Uh, There's 82 by my last count. Okay, so there are 82 people that are connected to Northbound, uh, 82 people right now that have free beer for life. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. Why do you ask me? You're talking to me. Who are you? Pop quiz, hot shot. All right, well, you've used up your four minutes, so I am going to go now. <laughs> You're talking about, obviously, right now, is I asked you to sit down and record this audio intro. Why do I say audio like it's anything else? <laughs> this uh, Captain Obvious <laughs> intro. Uh, no, I asked you to sit down and record an intro to this podcast with me. and I asked for cash money. I reached into my pocket, and the cash in my pocket, I did the math, and I realized, okay, your hourly rate at work, I can afford... Oh, She's so weird. Oh my gosh. Our cat Luna is sitting behind Sarah's shoulder right now. And she is just, first of all, she's sitting in the one spot I hate where she sits. Oh my gosh. She's going to knock the whole freaking thing down. She's sitting on top of a uh, shelving unit that I have all our scotch and whiskey on. That I bought for $5 of the Salvation Army. 10 years ago. So I hate that she sits quality. on that. Okay, anyways, sat down, sat down <laughs> and realized that I have you for, I can afford you for four minutes. Uh, can we restart it, right? Starting right now? No, but I will allow you to draw up a deficit. Oh my gosh, she's still going to town. Now she has her tail smashed up against the 
cabinet and she's licking her tail as it presses up. This is just the weirdest thing ever. She's so cute. Just to, just to the right of my eye line with you. Anyways, for those of you joining us for the first, what does that seem? Does it seem like know. an abrupt transition? For those of you joining us for the first time, my name's Rob Morgan and for the past decade, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director and this is my podcast where I sit down with people I find intriguing. You're not to get me. past the what it is they do. To find out, that's not quite right, the how and the why behind it? Yes, I'm trying to get past what it is people do to find out who they are and why they do it and what I can learn from them. That's a lot of just like pretty standard who, what, when, where, why, how. Kind of the basics of (laughs) Of question asking. Anything, yeah. Anyways, can I interest you in a Guinness? I am parched. I am so thankful that we don't have to deal with sponsors on this podcast or else I would have to tell you that Guinness is the greatest beer known to mankind and now our cats are getting in a, f- a fist fight. back at it knock her down this is the weirdest intro <laughs> I am so glad we don't have to deal with sponsors on this podcast or else I would have to tell you that Guinness is the greatest beer known to mankind. Uh, if you have been following along with this podcast, 2019, every day I'm drinking a pint of Guinness and recording podcast uh, conversations, when interviews, like <laughs> when I feel like it. <laughs> All right, no, here's the deal. I do want to talk about that. I, the past month of February, the whole month of January, Guinness a day, podcast every day. It ruled. I was all over the place. We were in Germany. Uh, I was uh, playing a show in the Bahamas on a floating music cruise, and that was a blast. Had a bunch of great conversations because of it. Hunting down Guinness, ended up paying the most for a pint of Guinness I've ever paid in my life. I think it was close to 15 bucks, 11 or 15 bucks for a pint of Guinness. I was pissed. Uh, it had to be done because I had we were rules I was is rules. rules is rules and I was stuck on the island of Nassau and I needed to find a Guinness that day found it you're stuck there like it was a punishment <laughs> I know that's so lame uh and so anyways here I, I do want to talk about this by the way Slancha happy St. Patrick's month the month of our lord St. Patrick. Oh my gosh, that is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you wouldn't like it, so uh, I said it. You can say whatever you want. Uh, Slancha. I don't mean the Lord, I just mean a Lord. Yeah. Could have been a Lord of a plot of land. Holy I don't know. crap. Okay, anyways. The reason, I, I, I want to say this. I mean, people, people would find this interesting as I just share life things. The reason I have not shared a podcast or recorded a podcast every day with the daily Guinness episodes is because over the past month, I have been in a massive mental state of transition. I'm coming up on some transition in my life with work and music. I should say that like they're different uh, with music. But this past month, I've been wrestling with a massive decision that I finally made this last week. And the reason I had the balls to make this decision is uh, because of actually some of the com- podcast conversations I've had over this past year. Anyway, we're gonna. I'm going to devote a whole complete episode to this transition because it doesn't really have to do just with what I'm going through. It has to do with the creative process and taking risks. The main point I'm trying to say is there's an interesting thing I think that happens when you know you're supposed to do something. When you know you your time... Oh my gosh, Luna is still going crazy. She like has to play She's with She's compelled right now. Uh, there's something that happens within you when you know you're supposed to do something, but you don't do it. 
when you know that the this season of life or this time in your life uh, is over and that you are supposed to take a jump and uh, take a risk and move forward, even if it means a risk financially uh, to start something or end something. I feel like there's something within us as humans when we know what we're supposed to do and we don't do it almost our subconscious starts working against us against us. If that, does that make sense? It's sort of like um, your your bile is leaking inside of you. Oh my gosh, what? It's like you start poisoning yourself. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> I know. But it kind of is. I yeah. think I think there's something to it. To me, in a musical sense, I think of being tuned to your own frequency. I think I'm I'm a bass player, so I think in these ways, I think of a bass string, that if you are, say if you're a string, you're not tuned properly to your own frequency, no matter, no matter how hard you try, no matter what note you try to hit, if you are not tuned correctly to your own frequency and where you're supposed to be at in life, that no matter how hard you try, yeah. you're going to be feeling out of tune. And so for the past month, I've known the decision I'm supposed to make. I know this risk I'm supposed to take of quitting a gig uh, that I've essentially been playing for the past 14 years and moving on. And the second I did it, I feel so much more free. So the uh, daily podcasts are going to come back. This is what, So here's the deal. This is how this podcast conversation came about. Earlier this year when I was doing the daily podcast oh. interviews, I did a micro interview with Joel Scott, who is the head brewer of Northbound Smokehouse and Brew Pub in Minneapolis because they were doing an event that you and I went to where they were poking beer. They put a hot iron mm-hmm. in the coals of a fire and then they pulled it out and they wiped it off, of course. And then they dipped it in your beer and it instantly mm. made it frothy. And I think it's I think it's uh, Daily Guinness number five at the beginning, of, like so the 5th, January 5th oh, or something like that. That early. Yeah. And it was a great, it was just a fascinating thing because I'd never heard of this beer poking right. thing. And or even that style of beer. Yeah. Eyes back. It was just all around awesome. Yeah. And, and then it's like fall in love with the place, even though we've been going there for years. Yeah, we live about a mile and a half from this brew pub in Minneapolis. So I ended up reaching out uh, to them because I had a I had a really interesting conversation with Joel while we were there. And I realized how little I know about brew pubs. Mm. So like what is what's the difference between a brew pub and a tap room? A tap room being connected to a brewery. So we dive into all of this and it's fascinating because I had these I had all these questions about uh, Minnesota breweries and specifically a brew pub and why would someone open this? So I, that's why I, I decided to sit down with them and I reached out to them. And by the way, massive shout out to Laura Liu uh, because when I reached out to northbound laura lou uh responded and contacted me because she works for this is how this is why this is one of the reasons i love doing this podcast because i'm realizing that when i'm doing these episodes in town everybody's freaking connected it's such a smaller world when you start having conversations with people so laura responded back to me because she works for fretless marketing and she does all the social media she responded to me and she set the whole thing up uh, but she actually plays in a band called the Twins of Franklin. And she, her band Twins of Franklin is opening up for Chris Coza at his CD release next month. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, and I didn't know that until we started having conversation actually when we met at Northbound to talk about doing this episode. 
and Chris Koza I interviewed last week on the podcast. Awesome conversation. So it's it's interesting how this whole thing is linked. So Laura, massive thank you for setting this up. All right, this conversation was fascinating. And so let's just dive into it because it goes far deeper than just talking about brew pubs. We actually talk about the risk of opening up a place and how there are similarities between different industries. So I sat down with the owner, the head brewer, and the head chef of Northbound Smokehouse. And let me introduce you to them real quick. My name is Jamie Robinson. I'm the owner and uh, an assistant brewer here at Northbound. I'm Joel. I'm the head brewer at Northbound Smokehouse and Brew Pub. I'm Jason Foster, the executive chef at Northbound Smokehouse and Brew Pub. All right, so let's dive into it. This is my conversation with the Northbound Smokehouse guys at Northbound on a crazy snowy day here in February. Before we start recording, Jamie, the owner, had mentioned that there might be some similarities between music and brewing beer. So our conversation starts off with me asking him what he means by that, because I like to call people out on their shit. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it just uh, it just felt it just, it just felt like a fun starter to it. The great a great conversation. You were you just said a second ago beer and music. You think there's similarities? Like what what pops to your mind? Well, I think uh, craft beer and music uh, overlap, or musicians and craft yeah, yeah. beer drinkers overlap because. Uh, musicians don't want to be boring, yeah. and craft beer uh, brewers and drinkers don't want to be boring either. They're looking for something more exciting, and, yeah. and so you're going to have uh, musicians looking to be creative, and they're not going to drink a Bud Light because maybe they think it's boring. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's time and place for a Bud Light, but yeah. uh, but you know, essentially, it's not as exciting as maybe a smoked porter or an IPA. Oh man. Okay, that's fascinating. Where do you, especially you two on the the beer side of things, where do you find the balance between uh, trying to figure out what people want, like what people want to drink, and the need and the market, the market need, I guess you'd say for beer, and trying to push people's taste. Does that come into mind? Do you- yeah. I mean, every so every year has been different here with like styles and trends with beer. Yeah. And my personal philosophy is I do like to follow some trends, and then I also like to just totally ignore or, or break yeah. them. Like 2018, for instance, was like the rise of the Northeast IPA, and I've just, my brewing philosophy doesn't really appreciate uh, those. If people like to brew them or drink them, that's totally fine, but it's yeah. just not, not my bag. Um, the Brute IPA uh, was kind of a late uh, trend too in 2018 going into 2019 and I absolutely love it so I've been embracing it Um, but it's not just like kind of those are national trends you also have to look at the neighborhood as well like kind of read your audience Uh, I mean we have a lot of repeat customers here Um, it's a neighborhood bar so I there's some things that I come up with and I have to ask myself is this how are people going to respond to this in this neighborhood? You know, um, so I have to adjust uh, yeah. with that. I don't necessarily brew beer for me. I am brewing beer for our clientele, yeah. our, the people, the, everyone yeah. that comes here. So just because I might really like something, might not necessarily sell. So oh man, see that is so awesome because there totally is tie-overs with what I do in music of thinking. 
about working with an artist of just because I love something or an idea doesn't mean if I just constantly only try to do what I'm wanting to do uh, you, you're gonna run out of work yeah. at some point but then you kind of you have to balance the difference between all right this is what people like but I still want to make good things and try to figure out where can we push the envelope uh, you said a brute IPA yes. and a northwest northeast northeast okay what's the difference between those two I feel like I'm ignorant I'm not a, a massive IPA guy yeah so I'm kind of ignorant in those so we'll start world. with the northeast northeast IPA yeah, yeah. Uh, some people refer to it as a juicy IPA yeah uh, but it's just a super usually pretty muddy cloudy super hop forward like yeah. in your face you're not really getting a lot of yeah. malt whatsoever and uh it's to me it's not really appetizing yeah. to look at so uh and then a brutes ipa is a, a newer style not a recognized style yet um but basically we put enzymes um, in different parts of the brewing process yeah. that make it so there's very little sugar after the beer has fermented, so it's an extremely dry beer. And then we actually only put, you only put hops in the whirlpool part of the brewing process uh, instead of usually hops in an IPA go multiple times in the in the boiling process of beer yeah. um, and then some in the uh, the whirlpool but uh, it's a hundred percent whirlpool hops for, for really fruit IPAs so Man. so you just get this very light uh, easy to drink crisp hop forward beer that's to me it's delicious I love dry beers so I'm obviously really biased but I've been just yeah. loving the style anytime I see it on a yeah. bar menu I have to get it so it's like your go-to. Yeah. What are you guys drinking, by the way? I'm drinking your uh, the new Dunk, Dunkel, Dunkel Lager. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm drinking the same. So. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, we all all three of us. Are. Oh man, that's awesome. Uh, it's been a hit. Uh, we don't do too many lagers at Northbound yeah. uh, for logistical reasons. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna try and do more because 2019 is definitely gonna be the year of the lagers. Pilsners are coming back in a big, big way. So, um, and I'm happy. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. been lagers have been kind of this. Brewers really like it, um, kind of thing mm -hmm. for a long time, and now I think brewers are starting to push it into the you know normal market, and the buyers now are getting really? excited about lagers again. So man, okay, so that's even that that's even going to my thoughts on the beer, where the brewers like something, and it takes time for that to catch on, and mm. I'm thinking of. That's why I love the tie-ins because I'm thinking I'm just totally thinking in my musical uh, world of where there's you know certain things that are maybe ahead of its time aren't appreciated, so you have to find the balance now where you're you're running a business, so you want to sell as much beer as possible, right? But we also don't we want to keep integrity also, so we're not going to just brew something, and, you know, yeah, throw a yeah. blend, blended fruit into it and and say. Here, this is what you want, something that doesn't taste like beer. Or like cookies or bagels or cereal <laughs> in the mash, like yeah. any, or glitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that a thing right now? Wasn't there a, like a gold glitter, gl glitter, glitter beer? Glitter beer was a thing <laughs> oh, for a little bit last year. Uh, I haven't seen it mentioned in a while. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, is the, 
what is the, what's the ultimate hell no? I will never, you will never see this coming out of Northbound. Is there? Oh, there's there's a long is list it? of that, but <laughs> but uh, probably glitter is is number one on that list. Yeah. You're yeah. not gonna see glitter in our beer. It's the glam rock of beer. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Are there? So, uh, you mentioned something about uh, national trends in beer. Uh, are there? What's what? What palette does Minnesota have, or specifically Minneapolis in this neighborhood? Because I want to talk about that. I want to talk about. I love one of my favorite things about this place is the neighborhoodness. It's almost the, it, it. It identifies to me what I think the brilliance of a pub should be, like the public house, a neighborhood focus. So, are there any unique tastes that this neighborhood or Minneapolis in general wants that's not a national trend in beer? Um. I definitely think that's a harder thing to balance for the kitchen mm-hmm. than, than beer. Um, but this clientele that we particularly have uh, at Northbound has actually been getting, I think, a little more adventurous since we yeah. first started. Uh, I think we've just kind of slowly kind of been doing maybe some more ex- experimental kind of beers you know like i had no i I was a little wary of how people were going to accept like the mexican chocolate stout that i did you know because people get really scared about peppers being in beer you know and i was really happy to see our clientele uh was loving it and they crushed it it was it was gone really quickly uh we kind of eased uh into sours as well uh especially at the time when that was kind of gaining popularity and there Jamie was kind of worried about that he didn't know exactly how our neighborhood was going to respond to that with the sour stuff yeah we had a watermelon sour and the the community accepted it and again that was another thing that flew out the door people look forward to it now every single year Um, but locally Minnesota I don't know what do you think Jamie like do you think Minnesotans like I mean, I like a drier beer. Do you think Minnesotans like a, a more kind of malt forward or hot forward? I mean, well, tell or? me, the, do you think this this IPA thing? Because to me, I from the outside, it just seems like every it's a competition with IPAs. Like who can who can out hop everyone else? Is that a Minnesota thing? This I trend of like, IPAs it's is that a, everywhere. It's an American thing. Oh, yeah, you um, have this battle of. Uh, you know, East and West Coast IPAs, uh, even like, you know, what constitutes a Midwest IPA. And I, yeah. th- I think it's it's kind of accepted at this point that a Midwest IPA is just a lot maltier than mm. either an uh, East Coast or a West Coast IPA. Um, but I I think that, that people would, like, you know, the Midwest beer drinkers are looking for something Overall, I mean, you're, you have people across all, you know, all across the board. Yeah. Somebody who likes something really, really dry and bitter. Somebody who likes a, a more a sweeter beer. Yeah. Somebody who likes no hops. I mean, everybody across the board. But the most successful IPAs in the Midwest tend to be more balanced on the sweeter side. There's some malt characters mm. to them. Yeah. Man, how this is something that's totally foreign to me in the kitchen world too. Because you guys were when you voted best kitchen in a brewery in is that recently by the Growler? Uh, Growler magazine. Um, well, it's a, it's a Reader's Choice poll. Yeah, yeah, that's so, cool. Um, so it's a, we were we were voted by the Growler magazine readers as the best brewery kitchen. Yeah, and uh, 
believe you know the category is uh, it includes brew pubs and yeah. tap rooms that have kitchens. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so so you have you know maybe. 25, 30 of those in the yeah. state. Because isn't that like a isn't that a misconception that I, I used to think that if you were a tap room you couldn't have a kitchen, mm-hmm. or if you were a brew pub you could. Can it, like who is allowed yeah, legally to have a kitchen? Ninety nine percent of the public is confused about that. Um, <laughs> the only difference between a brew, alone <laughs> the only difference between a tap room and a brew pub is that a brew pub can have a full liquor license, and most, if not all, of them do. Uh, well, tap rooms can only have their own beer, and they can't distribute. I mean, they can distribute. Brew pubs can't distribute. So oh. you have a, So there's kind of a trade-off when you you look at the fork on the road where you want to go. Uh, if you want to just be within four walls, yes, and and only sell all of your beer right there. Yeah. Uh, have a full liquor license and food. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna be a brew pub. And Interesting. If, and if you're going to want to just sell pints of beer and roll kegs out the door and, and can, you're going to want to be a taproom brewery. But the lack of distribution, we kind of have a way around that with the yeah. uh, pop-up brew pub. Uh, yeah. We're, we're doing, uh, for catered events on private property, we can uh, provide our beer outside these four walls. And that's kind of a, a new avenue for us. As far as I'm aware, I mean, we would be the first ones to do that. Oh, yeah. Do you now? I mean, we had talked about that before about a tide room. I had never heard of what, or a tide house. Is that what it is? Yeah, a tide it's house. called a tide house. What is, because that has to do with what you're saying, right? Like, what is a tide house, first of all, in well, relation to a. Well, first, we can do a tide house. And uh, most people are uh, familiar with uh, town hall breweries, tide houses, which are, they have, they have a brew pub. Yep. And then in, to. Uh, to be able to distribute to different areas of the city, they yeah. have to open up uh, satellite restaurants that don't necessarily have a brewery, but they can. But they'll have they'll have a kitchen. Uh, uh, basically, it's just a restaurant where they can roll their kegs into that. So, yeah. so Town Hall Tap, Town Hall Lanes, Town Hall Station. Those are all. Those are all um, tie connected houses. to right. That connected to to the brewery, uh, the pop up brew pub that Jason is referring to is uh, it's a different avenue. It's mm-hmm. under a catering food catering license and a liquor catering license, which basically means we can take whatever we offer here, the full liquor license of the beer, all of our own beer, all of everything that we make yeah. here, uh, in addition to anything that we could possibly make in our kitchen. Uh, and we can take that to a different venue, whether it be outside in the summer or um, any venue that you might have your wedding at. We can do the full bar. We can do uh, we can do all of our own beer. We, everything that you can get here in the brew pub, you can't that you can take with you oh, to your own venue. That's which is crazy because I've never heard of that before. I've never mm-hmm. seen anything like that. A mobile, essentially, you guys call it a mobile brew pub. Uh, we call it a pop up brew pop pub. Pop up brew pub. But to me, it's a pop-up bar, which is kind of absurd. If you think about Minnesota and like the legislation we have mm-hmm. here, uh, that's crazy that you're able to do that. Have you mm-hmm. how have you had that ever since you opened up? Or how uh, long have you guys had that? No, we, we started that. Um, uh, this will be our third year, so two years ago. Uh, we started up with a catering license, a food truck license, and the liquor catering license. Because yeah, I, the, the pop-up brew pub kind of took off last summer. We did a couple music festivals that were on private property 
four people and oh, they yeah. wanted our beer there. Yeah. And so it worked out for both parties. So we're looking to do more of those. Um, yeah. I mean, it's brilliant because you think of it's just a one-stop shop. If someone's doing, I think, of a million ways you could use that if it's a wedding. You don't have to, you just bring you guys in and you've got the beer, the food, liquor all taken care of. Okay, but I'm just, all right, so I'm trying to, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around still why a brew pub, like why was that, because I'm sure when you set out to open this, you had a choice to make. Okay, are we going to be a brewery, tap room, brewery with the tap room, or a brew pub? There's so many, you have to weigh so many options and benefits and disadvantages, especially here in Minnesota with all these laws. And to me, I think, well, when you start a business, the only reason to do a business is to scale it. And so you want distribution. That's what everybody's fighting for. And so you want the thing that can take you as far as possible. So I'm wondering what were some of the benefits of this being like a neighborhood brew pub to you that made you want to go this direction instead of a brewery with a tap room? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, what, Not to throw you under the bus. Why the hell are you making uh, these decisions? I'm just trying to figure out where to where to start because there are a bunch of uh, moving parts that make it the uh, best choice for for us. And that uh, probably the the biggest one is um, is that you know if you if you're going to rely on most of your revenue coming from serving uh, beer in your tap room or brew pub or whatever, you're going you're you're going to want to get as many people in there as possible yeah. to fill up that space and keep it full for years and years and years. Yeah. And uh, if you have, say, for example, a couple or two couples that want to go out a four top, you've got the ladies might only drink co- cocktails and wine, but yeah. the but the husbands, you know, this is stereotypical, but the but the you know the husbands want to try the beer. Yeah. And. And they might get shut down and have to go somewhere else that that has a full liquor license. So we, you know, we did the brew pub because of the full liquor license first. Mm. Uh, second is, um, I don't want to be in the business and of fighting over tap lines and mm. shelf space in in the uh, liquor stores. Um, that's a whole different animal. Yeah, uh, I tap mean, real estate is nuts right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, okay, so when you say tap real estate, you mean every bar has a certain amount of taps that they can put lines and a certain amount of kegs that they can have. Yeah. And everybody's fighting for that. Yes. Is that just, I guess, from the outside, is that just a madhouse fight? Between how does that even work? Like tap real estate, is everybody just trying to... It just seems almost like I just get in my mind like mafia political. You know, it's it's just like, really up to the beer manager or, or the bar, bar manager of the of the bar. And then I don't really know how it works and the liquor stores are probably the same thing. Yeah. You know, they yeah, have limited shelf space is an issue right now. Yeah. Shelf space. So we we just stay yeah. stay out of that whole arena yeah. of outside of these four walls. Yes. You know, we just you know, I mean, we have guest taps that we yeah. we do have other people's lines yeah. here. I don't know. I'm just thinking of in creative industries. Uh, by that I mean creating something, a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many other factors and job descriptions that we don't even think about when you set out. You have to be a part-time accountant. You have to be a part-time uh, so have your hand in so many different things. Sure. And so when you're talking about thinking big picture of, hey, these are things down the road I don't want to have to deal with. That would be part of my job description. Have you always been a big picture? Think think through the whole thing before I act? 
Uh, or you, no, no, that's the exact opposite of how I operate. Because <laughs> <laughs> from the outside, I'm like, oh yeah, I got it all figured out. I got the business model plan figured out. Uh, no, I just, I just, I have a lot of confidence in myself that I can just, uh, I can work through any problems that mm-hmm. I, that come my way, or I can build a team that can yeah. work through these problems and stuff yeah. like that. So we just like take a, a really good idea, create the infrastructure for it, and go mm-hmm. for it. And that's what this was all about too. This uh, Northbound was uh, an idea, uh, you know, it was just uh, in my head two years. I mean. You know, yeah. on on paper and in my head for two years. When did you guys open up? Twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve, September twenty twelve. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was two years before that you that you were thinking about it. Had to- uh, it was it was uh, a project that just kind of coalesced over ten years. Yeah. Um, but you know, you ten dream. Years. Yeah, you dream it up, but then you have yeah. to learn how to do it. And so I, uh, so I worked uh, in front of house at. Town Hall Brewery, and then the, in the brewery at Town Hall. Yeah. And uh, you know, learned basically just absorbed everything that I possibly could about uh, how to put together a, a successful project. Yeah. Um, a lot of that was uh, just finding somebody who can run the kitchen because that's part of it that I that I wasn't that that I wasn't interested in. I wasn't interested in actually doing that myself. Yes. And and uh, frankly, I think if you have your your hands in the kitchen and in the brewery, one of them is not gonna, one or both of them isn't gonna turn out right. Yeah. Um, so I just concentrated on the brewery when we started. And and, and Jason and, is like shaking his head. And, I'm like, yep, you need to get your hands out of my, yeah. let me do my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Brewers don't belong behind the line, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't belong in the brewery, yeah. so it works out. I'm yeah. not touching your lines, don't touch mine. No, but, J- uh, Jamie and the management has been pretty good about letting me do the yeah. kitchen and, and not really step on my toes too much. Oh, so. that's cool. Yeah, it's been been awesome, man. So okay, you you're just saying I, inter- I interrupted you here, but this whole process like ten years. Like, how could you paint paint a picture for me? I'm just I'm trying to understand. You have this thought of hey, maybe this would be fun to do in the future, but I just picture this conversation between you and your wife if you're married at the time of like right before the actual actions steps of like hey, let's do this. What did uh, that what that season of life look like for you? <laughs> uh, there's been there there've been a lot of up and ups and downs in this process. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let me just condense it because over <laughs> 10 years there's a there's a lot of little stories to go through and, oh, man, and yeah. I don't think we have a couple of days for those. So um, you guys allotted 6 hours for this, right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so uh, so just like just like a, a chef would have to, um, you know, cook at home. You're not going to trust a chef to be a good chef if mm. he has never cooked at home. So so every every brewer has brewed at home at some point. Um, so I was a home brewer for a few years. Yeah. Um, decided to make a career out of it. And I owned a, a limo service and I just grew disenchanted with that. Really. And I sold that and completely changed careers and this is a this is a story that a lot of uh head brewers brewery owners have um where they're disenchanted with the job that they're doing it's lucrative they save up some money and then they they either sell the business that they're doing or Mm. they get out of the career that they're doing and then they start up 
uh, a brewery. Yes. And oh man, you're saying that. I'm instantly having names come to mind that yep. totally resonates with, with me with. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the, there are a lot of them. Yeah. And and I'm no different. Yeah. Uh, it just took me a long time because I started earlier than a lot of uh, mm. these other guys, and the and the craft beer industry was just ramping up mm -hmm. as I was starting to do this, and it was really really difficult to get anybody to take me seriously. Even my even my banker told me that. Uh, yeah, it's a restaurant. It's about about the food, but the beer is just a novelty. And I'm really? like, yeah. And he had, like he just had no idea oh, yeah. about about the flood of breweries that were coming. And there were there were 16 breweries right before we opened. Then yeah. uh, Indeed was number 17. We were number 18. Yeah. Dangerous Man number 19. And then it just took off from there. Man. Um, and did you see it coming, or did that not have a factor? Was this yeah. something of like, I know this is going to be big, or was it just purely, no, I'm going to do the brew? You know, I I didn't think it was going to be this big. Yeah. Um, I I really drew the line at maybe, you know, Minnesota can handle like 120 breweries yeah. spread out throughout the state, but now yeah. we're at what, like 170 or something like that? <sighs> yeah. And I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but um, but the, the thing is our, our edge as a brew pub has been uh, reliable and great food. Yeah. And we've been recognized by Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, the City Pages, uh, uh, Growler Magazine, um, and and not just one award, but w one award, but several awards. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and their, our beer has been recognized by the Brewers Association with a World Beer Cup Award in 2014. So, I mean, we, it's... We we're doing something we're we're doing something right, and what that is is just paying attention to detail of everything from the sandwich yeah. to, to the pint of beer, how the how the beer pours, what it looks like when it pours, um, you know how yeah, and how mm. it gets to your table. What do you um, mean by that? How what it, what are factors to how that how well, it gets to your table? Well, when we we have full service here at the at the brew pub. Yeah, you know uh, tap tap rooms and some other restaurants don't but I think that it's that it's important for when you sit down at a table it's important for the customer to have an, uh, a way to get the information mm. about about beer styles and what this beer tastes like whether they'd like it or not and be able to get uh, steered in the right yeah, direction for ordering a beer mm -hmm. or uh, ordering anything off the menu any, yeah. anything from the kitchen uh, you have you have somebody who's at your table telling you exactly what it's all about and and uh, we educate our staff so that they're they can do that and it's they're not just delivery systems for not just a conveyor belt to get yes. to your table they're they're actually uh, full of information about what we have here a fascinating thing when i was thinking about sitting down with you guys uh, and i want to be respectful of your time so maybe this will be it i'm fascinated with this thought of risk and i even you alluded to it of people just assume that if you're a business owner, you must be just a billionaire. And if somewhere on this topic of curiosity and looking past the obvious, I think if someone comes into a restaurant and you as head brewer and you as an owner, you're heading up the kitchen, it's easy to look at this and be like, well, yeah, starting this made sense. Look at this, this is a successful business, it makes sense. But I'm fascinated with the thought of origins of places. So if I have a, I really do firmly believe that life expands and contracts with your willingness to assume risk. And I think about you 
starting this off and I think about the fact that there are how many people out there that get free beer for life with this? Uh, there's 82 by my last count. Okay. Yeah. So there are 82 people that are connected to Northbound. Uh, 82 people right now that have free beer for life. So how did that work? Because this is going to tie into my whole risk. Thing. Okay. Well, there were several different options, but uh, there, there was one option for investing where you just put in uh, $1,000 for startup capital. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'd get free beer for life. And people are just fascinated about the whole free beer for life. What does that mean? One pint a day? You know, no, you just drink like a normal customer here. You come in, take a seat at the bar, get on the wait list or whatever you need to do, and then and then sit down and all all your beers are free to the point where you know where we could we were, we'd have to cut you off you know <laughs> yeah. legally <laughs> be right yeah you know just be you know just responsible drinking but but yeah there's no what was the minimum donation of that? Uh, well, it, it, well, it was an investment because it actually that was donation, a, yeah, yeah, investment. That's uh, yeah, that's but my it, bad. you know, it was it was part of startup capital and it, it was part of the down payment yes. to, to get the loan with the bank. Um, but it uh, that was a thousand dollars for that, or people who didn't think that they were going to drink enough beer, they could buy equity in the business. So yeah. people bought little slivers of equity for $1,000 here and there, and then at a level of, of $5,000 equity, we would just throw in free beer. So those yeah. those people are included in those 80, yeah. 82 people who drink in free beer. We actually did some trade, too, for people who did some printing for us, and uh, just handed them free beer, and people who did... Uh, our logo for us. Uh, yeah, they got free beer. You know, yeah, you know. So, so we were able to trade free beer for for things and. Oh, see, that yeah. is, and so okay. So this thought of risk, and st- and thoughts from the outside. The reason I asked that is because it's fascinating to me. If someone told me a thousand bucks at Northbound will give you free beer for life to an established company or this established brew pub. Instance, a no-brainer. You would be flooded right now if you put that in the papers. But what but people don't think about is the fact of when you put that out there to invest, there was no guarantee. That was a risk. You had to take the risk as an investor in this brew pub. Uh, so to me, the risk of throwing down a thousand bucks here is so much greater than right now. If I would think a thousand bucks in Northbound, hell yeah, I'll do that tomorrow or whatever it would be. And so, but because of that, it's a greater reward. You have you have beer for life. It's crazy. And I'm thinking about, I'm just thinking about you and creating Northbound, of like, of, I don't. Where were you before this? You were at Town Hall. Uh, I was at yeah. I was at Town Hall. I was just kind of wrapping that up at Town Hall, and I, I was there for a little over uh, four and a half years, almost yeah. five years, um, in various capacities, and uh, and I, you know, I wrote. The business plan during that time, yeah, yeah, and uh, and then I had eleven thousand dollars in a in a you know in a savings account just waiting to like invest in. But this you know this brew pub is one point two million dollars, so you know, yeah. So we needed to raise a lot more, a than lot that. of capital. Uh, so I looked at uh, the space, yeah, and I signed a lease. Yeah, uh, and the the lease at the time was like four thousand dollars a month, and I had eleven thousand eleven thousand dollars in a checking account or a yes. savings account, and I had to uh, figure out how to raise money to to get this thing uh, built, and 
and uh, at that time it was an abandoned building and asbestos floor holes in the you know big holes in the floor like uh, everything had to be rebuilt yes um, and you know and the the estimates for it were like started out at 650 and then they found some other things went up to 800 and eventually it was like 1.2 million dollars before it was all done oh. and and I you know, I had no you idea. With eleven thousand dollars, yeah. <laughs> and I had, and, the, and this yes. is this is going all the way yeah. back to the be- beginning where you yeah. where where you said uh, you know do you you know all this planning you know you you have like all, everything all planned out in place. No, this is one of those things where where you um, you jump and you you look back. Yes, and, and you see like okay, what do I need to do to to make this work. And uh, so, so yeah, I signed signed the lease for the place, uh, and I had to find investors, and I was only finding investors that that wanted, uh, you know, a lot of control over the idea, and I yeah. and I knew that it wasn't going to work if some some guy who made millions of dollars in construction all of a sudden wanted to have some some yes. voting rights in a brew pub. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, that's not going to work. So uh, so I I went for, uh, I, you know, I brushed all that off and I said I'm not taking any voting members yeah uh, but I went the small investor route yeah uh, so which is a way bigger risk yeah but the it, reward on the outside of having it, the freedom that comes with that exactly and it's it's uh, it, it came down to uh, you know the media kind of caught wind of what was happening here because yeah. you know we we put out um, to some of our friends and family yeah. you know uh, free beer equity options and stuff like that and and uh, they went on social media and that blew up and then yeah. and then before you know it a couple weeks later we're into the Star Tribune and the and the uh, uh, Care 11 did a, a whole mm. a whole segment on us and and that was when I was here with a, a plastic table of you know barely working laptop and a, and a $90 printer copy scanner yes. uh, thing. And, Were you here on and, that point, Joel? Were you around here like, um, shortly after? So, I mean, th- because of his business model, yeah. that's how I learned about this place. Because I was I was in Nicaragua for about six months bef- uh, before I came back to the States, and then I was completely out of money, yeah. needed a job. Um, <laughs> luckily, it's pretty easy well semi-easy to get a job in the service industry if you have experience good experience but uh yeah i came my parents told me about it because they don't live too far away from here and i was like okay i'll, I'll stop in yeah um and it was funny because i actually was trying initially like trying to get myself into the brewery and out of the service industry at mm-hmm. this point but jamie at the time in his plastic chair and, or plastic, <laughs> plastic table, table and, and what, I mean this I mean I was yes. actually really surprised because I think I maybe applied me like two weeks before you opened in the place still I was like are they gonna get this done in time like it looks like it needed a lot more work but it, it did um, but yeah and then Jamie was kind of instantly said naysaying me and in the brewery and I'm like well I do have a lot of uh, brew pub experience serving and they're like oh cool and then i did that and yeah. then eventually i saw jamie looking like a tired skeleton because uh, <laughs> you were brewing well yeah i was oh. work, i was working 100 he, hour weeks oh yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, no joke <laughs> he would brew in the morning sometimes and then host 
in the union. It was nuts. Like, you were here all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And that is, yeah. That, and even to me, I think I'm thinking about this whole risk-reward thing of the thought of someone thinking, oh, you're the owner. You know, you just get to sit back and relax. Well, you don't understand all the front end. When when someone called in sick, you're probably picking up the slack. Right. Uh, Man, so... That's fascinating to me. I love that. It, yeah, it, it, it got to a point, though, where I, I you know, the 100-hour weeks just weren't working for me. And, I mean, that, that means that you're working mm-hmm. working and sleeping and not sleeping very much when yeah. you're working 100-hour weeks. And it was making me hate my brewery, my brew pub. Yeah, something and, you love, like your passion project. Yeah, it was making me hate it. So we, we found a way to hire more help mm. and uh, get... And, and it was busy. It was packed in here every night. And um, and so there there wasn't really even time to interview people. Yeah. It, it was it, it was a crazy time. But then, then I got myself down to 80-hour weeks, uh, in part by getting Joel in the brewery, helping me, and then trying, you know. <laughs> to 80-hour weeks. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so for so the good. first year, yeah, I would yeah. say it was like, you know, 100-hour weeks and got down yep. to 80-hour weeks. And then wow. eventually, after Joel got trained in, I got down to 60-hour to weeks, which uh, felt like 30-hour weeks now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do I do with all my time? Yeah, it, it, was, it was crazy. You know, after you do a year of that, it's, uh, it's like... And, and I know, I know yeah. other, other places, you know, the, the owners are, are putting in, you know, 80-hour weeks every week yeah. for, you know all the way into the future until they sell the place yeah it's, it's a big risk and it's a lot of work for anyone that wants to get in initially i mean it was funny like even seeing when we were in duluth uh i don't know if it was last summer or the summer before that for apn but like we're sitting at a bar in the morning during this busy all points north weekend in duluth and mm. all of a sudden um uh hoops come or not hoops uh um his brother uh, well, there's well, Dave Hoops. Dave and, Hoops. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, but Mike Hoops is Hoops. Uh, but yeah. uh, so Dave Hoops <laughs> is all of a sudden Dave, Dave Hoops, the owner, the owner of uh, Hoops, Hoops Brewing, Brewing yeah. is wheeling in kegs uh, to a bar that's ordering. You know, like yeah. literally the owner, the owner of the business is delivering uh, kegs. Like, yes, and it's it's insane how much work you have to do when you start a business. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, okay. I want to be respectful of your time. So mm. let's end with this. Sure. If you had to go back and give that guy, if, if you could go back and see Jamie sitting at his plastic table and give him like a piece of advice years ago, is there anything you would say to yourself advice-wise? Oh. Or, no, let's take it back <laughs> even before. Like you're, you're teetering, on, you're teetering on the verge of all right, am I going to do this? I, I, I've got this idea for this brew pub, but I think I'm going to take the, right before you took the leap of it. Is there any like advice? Have more money. Have more <laughs> or encouragement. Just say, just do it. It's all going to work out. Uh, well, I, I always, I always say uh, because this is one of this is one of them. Yeah. Is uh, it is have. You have to have steel balls to do this kind of mm. thing. It you you know you you're gonna have you're gonna have hundred hour weeks. You're gonna have eighty hour weeks. 
somebody is going to quit and then you're going to go back up to 80 hour weeks yeah you know uh those are those are just things that come with it so you gotta you have to expect that the other thing is um i just just make sure like if you're in a partnership make sure that you're approaching it as if you could be married to your partners Mm. because if you can't be married to your partners uh the partnership isn't going to work yeah it doesn't matter if it's this doesn't have have to do with male or female or anything it's just could you be in a marriage with that person and if you couldn't you just you that's not the right partner for you oh man that's so good that's so good (laughs) okay Jamie, Joel, Jason, thank you for hanging out with me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm walking away from this with a better insight of not just here, brew pubs, but I feel like I'm going to look, even having had worked at in service industry jobs, I feel like I'm going to look at breweries and brew pubs differently because mm-hmm. of this, and restaurants here in Minnesota sure. differently because of this, because it's just the insight mm-hmm. from it is fascinating. Yeah. So thanks for hanging out with me. Yeah, yeah thank, no you. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Rob with just a quick note before you head off into your week. I just wanted to say a huge thank you, a massive thank you to any of you that have rated, commented, or subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Also, thank you to those of you that have reached out to me and shared your stories of how these interviews or some of these conversations have impacted you, have inspired you. Man, that has been so awesome to hear. If you have a story you'd like to share with me, head over to thecuriouspod.com slash contact, and I'd love to hear your stories or any just questions you may have for me. Hey, while you're over there, if you want to check out show notes for this or any of the other interviews I've done or contact info for this guest or any of the others, head over to thecuriouspod.com for any of that. And also, I'm really pumped about this. We have a map right there on the front of the website that shows all the locations that these interviews and conversations have taken place. It's pretty cool. You can click on it. You can see where these have done. If you want to go visit them, if you've heard something you like and you want to go check it out for yourself, that's right there. Or you can just check it out at thecuriouspod.com slash map or just right there on the front of the website. I'll show. I'll show. Also, if you want to reach out to me on social media or follow me anywhere, pretty much everything online is the Rob Morgan at the Rob Morgan, whatever you, you, you know, the drill. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All this podcasting has made me thirsty. You know, (laughs) I am so pumped that I do not have to deal with sponsors for this podcast or else I'd have to tell you podcasting makes me thirsty and nothing quenches a podcast thirst whether you're listening, uh, interviewing, editing, recording, listening to something unrelated to a podcast. Nothing quenches a thirst like a Guinness. Hey Hofi, can I steal you for a second? Do you have anything you want to say about Guinness? I'd like to take a minute to thank Guinness because it truly is made of more. That's all. Alright. That's it. Thanks. Uh, I love that crap. All right. Have a great week. See you next Tuesday. Anything else? Thanks for being here. (laughs) (laughs) Say the most random thing you can think of. Mm, Yell it. I got nothing. The only word I can think of is formaldehyde. (laughs) Perfect.